and welcome to A Gem of a Secret Podcast. My name's Donatella, my secrets. And my name is Coco Gem Holiday. How are you doing today, Coco? Well, actually, we're recording this in the morning, so I'm feeling a bit hungover. Oh, <laughs> fun, fun. Actually, I, I just groggy, actually. I guess that would be the better term for my 34 years of age. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, groggy, for sure. I am doing pretty good. I've gotten adjusted to a morning schedule because I've started waking up at four in the fucking morning for the new job that I got. Yeah, the sun isn't up at that time. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not. It is a awful horrendous hour to be up for work. <laughs> but hoping that changes in my schedule within the next week or so. Fingers crossed. <laughs> so I'm I'm chipper. I've been up for like the, the past few hours actually. Oh. But, yeah. yeah, I the funny thing is I told Donna, I was like, we should record at this time. And then like, I even I didn't make it. And I got yeah. home and I got to sleep early. But my body's like, oh, you have a weekend. Oh, girl, let's sleep. Yeah, sleep in. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I I slept in until six today. <laughs> That's not sleeping in for most people. Before we get into it, Donna, what are you wearing this evening? Morning. This morning, I am wearing a fucking robe because I, you know, I'm just a mom on the weekends with my coffee trying to enjoy my Sunday. <laughs> How about you? Um, well, I am wearing a full church lady hat. That's why it's dark in here because it's covering all the available light in the room. Mm -hmm. um, church lady hat. Um, and then it's also cloudy. It's a little cloudy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I am wearing a blue caftan because she goes to church wearing a church lady hat and a blue caftan so she can be comfortable. Mm, I love that. I love that. I love that for you. Oh my goodness. So, Obviously, like when we started this podcast and doing it weekly um, was a little bit towards the start of COVID. That was like one of our artsy projects we decided to do when we, you know, COVID hit. Yeah. So we've almost been doing this for a full year. Yeah. And, regularly. And so now we're going to be talking about because vaccines are being released and how the world is changing. And I, I one thing I wanted to bring up, which I think is super crazy, is that the effectiveness of the vaccines are different, I guess, like the mm -hmm. Johnson & Johnson one. Is a little bit different. Yeah, from um, the Pfizer. From the Pfizer one. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would rather have the vaccine that's a little bit more effective, obviously, because I'm in really big bar areas and things like that. And I just, we still don't know the long-term effects of COVID. And so no. even though there's a higher chance of you, they say with the Johnson & Johnson, like the hospitalization rate is like pretty much zero. Hmm. But still getting COVID is also terrifying for me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I I know that as soon as I it, I'm eligible to get the vaccine, I would like to get it. I currently am working from home and I believe actually because with my new job it is technically a like a online pharmaceutical company, I mm -hmm. could uh qualify for the vaccine. So I think as soon as I figure that out, I probably am going to get it. <laughs> I definitely am tired of being cooped up. It's been a very long now, over a year that we've been going through this. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, you know, smart to do your research and just kind of check in. I don't know so much about the effects of the vaccine right now, but I know that I definitely, as soon as I can, I want to get it because I think that's super important. I... I think that we need to not feed into conspiracies and we need to be smart about this and we all need to do our best effort to protect our immunities with what they have available for us. And yes, it was developed very fast, much quicker than most vaccines are developed, but we also are in desperate times. I mean, we've we've had a global pandemic that swept across the nation. This is, you know, the first time that this has really happened in mm -hmm 
anyone's lifetime that is living, really. I mean, that at this scale anyway, you right, know. Right, absolutely. So I think that, you know, if you can get it, go ahead and get it. And also, if you did get it, be open to, like, talking about your experience with people who haven't had it yet. Yeah, exactly. There are, I saw a friend online post something about how it's really inappropriate to ask people how they qualified. And I have asked pretty much every single person I know how they qualified. And the reason why is I am still at risk and I am Mm -hmm. in. So Multnomah County uh, last week went from high risk to medium risk. Mm -hmm. That means more people can be in public establishments. And I'm an event manager at a bar. That means there's more people Mm -hmm. that are able to be in a smaller confined space. And I just am nowhere near qualifying. Service industry workers are just nowhere near qualifying. So it's like, it's weird that they're like, oh, yeah, let's. Let's go to medium risk or lower risk, mm-hmm. but let's not qualify those people to get a vaccine. Yeah. So, like, we definitely want to have our sit-down dinners with our family at a restaurant um, while we're vaccinated, you know, <laughs> but we can't get the service. Inter- that's That just seems really backwards to me, especially if those places are allowed to be open. And I know they're allowed to be open so people can still get work and, you know, qualify for health insurance, but, like, you also need to be able to help those people feel safe going to work. And I recognize that there's not like as many vaccines widely available as we'd like, but Mm -hmm. still that's kind of fucked up that service industry workers are kind of treated as disposable in this case. Like it's like go out and risk your life for work and be part of this capitalist system. But Mm -hmm. also like, you know, you're not going to be eligible for the vaccine for a while. Yeah. Like that's, I mean, and it's funny how people keep saying um, a lot of the people who've gotten the vaccine, which really, this kind of gets me. They say all the time, they're like, but you're going to be eligible in Oregon in May. Mm-hmm. And right now we are in March, middle of March right now. So a little mo- month and a couple half. couple more months, yeah. And that doesn't mean that I, even though if I become eligible, it doesn't mean, especially because all of those people will be eligible at the same time, it doesn't mean I'll be able to get a vaccine in the first day or the first week or any mm-hmm. of those things, right? Also, what that's saying is, it's like, but you realize that restrictions are lessening before that May 1st timeline, so there's more people around. Mm-hmm. And I feel less safe. Yeah. Like, you know, and just so I just really want people to be cognizant of that because that's been getting to me. Like, oh, well, just you're going to get it soon. You're going to get it soon. And I have met a lot of people, just as a side note, I'm not going to lie to get the vaccine. It's morally. For me, I have a really high moral compass for some stupid reason. And morally and ethically, I just can't lie to get the vaccine. Yeah. I just, I I can't. And I want it so bad. It actually, I had an anxiety attack about it two days ago. Well, I mean, when you think about it, it quite literally is. Like, other people, like, their lives could be at risk. I also, I also saw, like, a TikTok, too, though, that said, like, don't, don't hold your time off to get the vaccine because you're not taking it from anyone else and i didn't really understand the logic behind that because i the vaccine still from what i understand is is not widely available like no it's it's not widely available yet they're making it as fast as they can but it's not widely available yeah and so if i do take it from someone i could okay so here's the thing i know what that tiktok is trying to say i think everyone will be eventually vaccinated Mm mm-hmm so you're not taking it from someone. You're just getting it earlier than someone who probably needed it before you. Mm-hmm. And But here's the thing. like I can't in, in good conscience feel like I got the vaccine and the person who was supposed to get that one in that line. Mm-hmm. Like if – I don't know. It just it still feels like that icky. time frame. Yeah. Like especially if it's if 
someone who is older and immunocompromised or, you know, something along those lines where, like, they are in a more vulnerable state if they don't have it. Right. But if we keep... But honestly, one thing I would... This is where my moral compass lies. If Kate Brown wants to keep lowering, like, the restrictions and stuff like that and people can go back to normal, like Texas did. Mm -hmm. Like, Texas is like, no masks and blah, blah, blah. I... I'd be like, oh, yeah, I will lie so fast to get my vaccine because I'm going to be in a very crowded world and feeling unsafe. Yeah, yeah. Like, it just, it's reality is. And, like, and my biggest fear, which probably sounds selfish, is I fear getting COVID now more than I ever did. Well, yeah, you're in the spot to where, like, you know, the crowds are increasing. Yes, that part. It's, people are you know the pandemic isn't over just because you're over it you know like people people may be like <laughs> people may be like trying to like let their guard down while they're out and about but still like you know i think sometimes when you're in that bar setting it, it may get a little bit scary to where people kind of get comfortable and think that they can you know take their mask off or the precautions that were set in place before maybe they're not going to be as careful about it and you're in a in a spot right now where you know you may be protecting yourself and very careful about it because you're working but maybe not all the patrons that are out there are are the yeah. same and i try to be really good about my mask and i actually i don't try to be really good about my mask i am actually mostly good about my mask like we talked about in an earlier episode where if i do perform in drag i oftentimes am pushing myself to live singing even mm -hmm. though i only have a very i have a large repertoire of songs but like i've kind of gotten through all of them in portland now at this point but when i sing in drag i can even still keep my mask your mask on, on. Mm -hmm. and not because i i don't go out in the crowd still even if my mask is on really i did it once recently but i felt unsafe doing it but I did. That's the only time I've done it in the entirety of COVID. But like I sing so I can keep my mask on even when I'm performing. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, I don't know, part of the narrative. And I don't want to be that girl who is being unsafe because like I'm telling people to come to the bar. Like, yeah. come here, come hang out with us. Mm -hmm. And I really just want the patrons to be safe. Come here, but do so safely and do so by following our protocols that we have in place. Yes, absolutely. Because yeah. I, I know that you've kind of talked a little bit like about certain events where people get angry that they have to keep a mask on while they're doing something oh. or that they have to follow certain rules that weren't in place before. Yeah, so like for uh, karaoke, for instance, we you have to keep your mask on while you're singing. Mm -hmm. Change the microphone and condom. And change the microphone condom every time, which I mm -hmm. think we actually probably will just instill that practice permanently because that way people don't get sick yeah um or at least they could probably sing without a mask but we'll have them change their condom every time yeah but the other thing is if people pull their mask down while they're singing to try to hit those high notes or whatever mm. we actually will turn off their music now mm. um oh man people get mad because they're drunk at a bar and you just turned off their music and embarrassed them yeah because it is it's humiliating yeah yeah and then they they just don't really want to they don't really want to come back. Like, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Because the world is different, and the world is going to change. Like I said, for karaoke forever and always, as much as I do, we'll probably always have microphone condoms. Yeah. Like, for the rest of my life, that should be a thing. Well, I mean, it's it's what we were saying when all this was starting. There were People kept saying, we just want this to go back to normal. We want things to go back to normal, when I don't think there really is going to be a, a back to normal as to, like, in regards to what we had before. Mm -hmm. It won't ever be, like, what it was before. I think right. we're constantly going to have to have these extra precautions in place because this likely will not be the only pandemic that we live through now. 
in our life, you know? I, I think right. that we right. may experience another one of these, and it's better to be prepared and to be safe because we went through it once, and we unfortunately lost a lot of lives this first mm-hmm. time, especially here in America. The new normal is going to be a safer new normal, and it's something that we should get used to. So I think it's very smart that you want to keep that practice in place. Yeah, and I'm get, I'm actually just really interested, um, and obviously we can't predict it because we're not out in those fields. I'd be really interested to see how the world is going to change for those precautions in other industries and in other areas. And they'll probably keep the hand sanitizer machines in front of Winco. They'll probably have like, you know, throughout Walmart, how they have their, you know, the sanitizer stations and mm-hmm. they might probably keep those. And, you know, just, you know, places might still offer people masks, yeah. you know, and, or, you know, just, they might keep plexiglass up at bars, Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, which that was something that I got really used to was the barrier between service industry workers and the customers. Yeah. Like, the plexiglass doesn't really bother me. Yeah. It just doesn't. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a sneeze guard. They have to deal with the public. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Don, I forgot to ask, how are you doing this evening? I will let you know after this brief commercial break, Coco. Do you wear t-shirts? Do you wear a face mask? I sure as hell hope so. Do you put on your silly little t-shirt and your silly little face mask and wish you had something a little more out there? Yes. Even something, dare I say, matching? Girl, yes, duh. Then it looks like HunterDrips.com is exactly what you need. At HunterDrips.com, socially relevant merch and apparel is up for sale. That's never for profit. 50 to 100% of every purchase is donated. I hear they carry matching shirts and masks with designs that say cute little slogans like defund the police, Black Lives Matter, and it goes over your nose and even shirts and hats with your own pronouns on them. You know, things that are important. Oh, so you mean important. And almost all of it is donated? Yes, donated, and guess what? What, it's size inclusive too? Yes, up to 5XL. Why just make clothes for skinny people? It's all made by Queer Artist Girl. The creator of HunterDrips.com is trans, fat, lesbian, and the site also includes merch from other queer artists, including gay Portland rapper Tono. Listeners, head on over to HunterDrips.com and use the code SECRET for 15% off your purchase today. That's SECRET for 15% off your purchase at HunterDrips.com. It's a podcast with Coco and Donatella Podcast. Tune into What They Tell You Podcast with Coco and Donatella Podcast. You know, Coco, I am feeling conflicted because we're going to be talking about Biden and basically what we want from him and kind of our judgments on what he has done in these days, early days of his presidency so far. Yeah, because he's not at his first hundred yet. No. No, Yeah. So obviously how this kind of leads into it Mm -hmm. is we the biggest thing for me, I was telling Donna before we started, is I want. The one thing I need, like I was talking about with my anxiety, I need more vaccines. I need the mm-hmm. rollout to be faster, make it faster, get it out, get us all vaccinated to start forming the new normal. Yeah. Like that's, I feel like if anything is not going in that direction, then we're doing it wrong. But but we also need to make sure that we're holding our president accountable for the things that they promised us. And yes, I know it hasn't been a full hundred days. No. So we can even start from the beginning. And I don't remember if we talked about it in our first episode but i know like in the room right after 
in the room that the president signs off on the first couple of executive orders, I think mm-hmm. one of those was removing the transmilitary ban. Mm-hmm. Thing. I think that was one of them. Yeah. So at least like those kind of promises went in the first day, which was really cool. Really great. A yeah. couple of other things. But as time has gone on. Yeah, he's kind of fell, fallen back on some of these things. I, I the One thing I do really want to commend him on is his recognition of indigenous people in the U.S. Mm. and basically of the tribes. He's definitely done more than other presidents have. I wouldn't, I'm not going to like get, congratulate him and pat him on the back and say that he's like a savior by any means, but he's mm. had, he's getting more indigenous representation in his own cabinet as well as making sure that indigenous people here in the U.S. are recognized when it comes to policies that he's implementing. Mm -hmm. So I think that's super important. I've really liked his handling of that so far because it has been better than other presidents. However, I am really disheartened by some of the things that he said that he would follow through on and now is kind of like backpedaling on, like the deportations specifically. He said there would not be any deportations in his first hundred days and there have been. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the kids in cages, you know, there's this spin that his press secretary is trying to make that that's not the same as, as the kids in cages. Well, it is. They're still being detained. They're, they're trying right. to say that the improvements for these children are better. But, I mean, kids were dying under Trump, like yeah. getting sick and dying of, of the flu on cold concrete ground. Right. You know? <clears throat> so, so, yes, there is an improvement there, but not. That's not what people are really asking for. Mm-hmm. They're like, well, kids aren't dying in the cages. They're still cages, though. Yeah, they're still in cages. It's still kids in cages. <clears throat> like, it, it's just frustrating to me. And beyond that, you know, there's other things. And I, I know he can't do everything, but, like, the backpedaling on, on student debt relief. That was one of the main promises on his campaign was to right. relieve student debt. Yeah, we were – people were – I, I was one of the people who, because I'm buried under, I think I have 45 grand, maybe. I have over 20,000. Um, mm-hmm. And I am slowly, and I, I probably will be chipping away at it for probably the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And they said that they were going to forgive, like, a number or something like that. And 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 I know that, well, actually, no, I actually want to hold Biden accountable for this because that is a really huge selling point to a good majority of Americans about how we're being crippled by our student loan debt mm-hmm. because Sally Mae does not care how much you make. Sorry, no, Sally Mae only cares about how much, how much you, you make. make. Yeah. They don't care about nothing else in your life. No. Like, you could be like, well, I just lost my house. Be like, well, your last year's tax return um, said that you made this much. So you could still make a payment to us. So you could still make a payment. Would you like that? Uh, you know that with a check yeah. or where are we at? I can yeah. take your card over the phone. And I, I hate Sally Mae. I did, she's a horrible, horrible woman. <laughs> <laughs> I make it, I have to make her real. Yeah. <laughs> she's an entity. Yeah, she's, she's not an entity. She is a <laughs> She's a person that hangs out in my neighborhood. I don't know. I do is she? Like. Was Sally Mae based off of? I don't know. I don't. I don't. Fucking I think know. it was last names of a person. I. I don't know. I don't know. Fact check. Fact check us, listeners. But Fuck her though. <laughs> I hate her so much. Sally Mae can eat a dick. Can eat, <laughs> eat a bag of dicks. God, I hate her. So here's. So with the student loan thing, that is actually a selling point for people like me who feel like they can never get ahead. Yeah. And as somebody who actually makes decent money and is like trying to work for it and might have some really great opportunities coming up in my career, Sally Mae is going to want... It's always looming. Well, because she's going to want more of my money. Mm -hmm. Because Sally Mae is not like, oh, like you're... Because I think with how much I make right now, if I had none of the like 
forgiveness programs, mm-hmm. I think my minimum payment is actually four hundred and twenty-five dollars a month. That's like, oh my god, that's like a whole other place in Grand Junction. That is, that's, that's rent a- on another house in Grand Junction. Yeah, and if I get this promotion coming up. She's about to take probably anywhere between $600 from me a month. Yeah. That is a car payment. That's a yeah. good car payment. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a, a studio in Grand Junction, Colorado. <laughs> I'm just like, what is this? Like, God, stop taking my money. And and yeah. and it, I, Okay, just as a side note, I have to say this. I didn't mean to talk about student loans so much, but mm-hmm. when I did call, even when I was in Grand Junction, making 20000 less than I do now, mm-hmm. um, I was on the phone with um, the person from Navient, or I think that's what, what Navient, I, yeah. Yeah, who mm-hmm. I went through, and they go, well, what? I'm not joking. Why do you need an income-based replacement? I was like, because I have bills. Mm-hmm. And she was like, she's like, oh, yeah, we don't, yeah, we just look at your gross or net income or something like that. And I was just like, yeah, I was like, uh, and it was actually around the time I was going through my divorce, and I said, well, I'm going through a divorce, and that's costing me a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So giving you money is really hard. And they're like, well, this is the best we can do for income-based repayment by how much you pay. And I said, but that doesn't make any sense to me because going through divorce, I've lost a lot of income. And mm-hmm. I have to pay for my house now by myself. And like I've lost out on that rent. And yeah. like, like all these, I was like explaining these things. They're like, yeah, we just look at it. With how much you make, like we just we just yeah. don't care. Yes, yeah, she was. Like, <laughs> yeah, sorry, care. I don't care that you're struggling, you you little poor person. We <laughs> just want your fucking money. Like fuck you. Yeah, it, it's, it's well, terrible. and here's the thing with the student loans too. The, his reasoning is that people from Ivy League universities, basically, that have the student debt, would benefit from the plan. So fucking what? Oh my gosh, the I majority don't care. of Americans. You know how many pockets we've been fucking lining of of uh, of the one percent just oh my God. by you know based off of how our system is like right. who fucking cares if some Ivy Leaguers benefit from the student debt relief? What you're doing is helping the majority of people like you and me who are fucking struggling because we've been in crippling debt because that was our only option to go to school. Yeah, and guess what? I didn't even finish my fucking degree and I'm owing $20,000. Yeah, Ivy League schools are very few and far between. You cannot base... That that was such a that was a cop out, and we all know it was a cop out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't actually see Bi- Biden say that, but I could say that he did. Say yes, that. <laughs> yeah. Because the the problem with that too is, even if mommy and daddy, rich mommy and daddy, are paying for you to go and I go to an Ivy League school, mm-hmm. there's also some people who. Um, work really hard to go to an Ivy League school who are now crippled in student loan debt as well. So what you're saying is the population of people who paid to be in Ivy League schools, Mm -hmm. I don't want to help out those 16 people. (laughs) Well, and even so, like an Ivy League school doesn't necessarily guarantee you like a a promising, amazing career upon a graduation. I don't understand why people think that like, I know that the rich has different struggles and problems than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. But the problem is they all don't immediately go into going into daddy's business or going into those fields and they have better access to opportunities to maybe make more money. But even so, I know people who are wealthy who still pay the minimum payment. And isn't that what's crippling the country is people are like they're not paying off their student loans. Persons making, you know, you know, five hundred grand a year, uh five hundred thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. And they're still only making their minimum payment because yeah. it's so much money. Yeah. Like, and 
so that it still would help benefit the economy to even forgive the student loan payments of people who are rich. Yeah. I'm sorry. It just is because it would help more people than it would hurt. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's I don't understand the logic behind it. Honestly. Oh, I don't either. And that's why it's a cop out. It is. It is totally a cop out. <laughs> So I kind of want to get into, I, I have talked about on the podcast before that I did fundraise for Biden because for me, I was terrified of Trump's presidency happening again. Yeah. I, I, I fundraised for Biden because I did not want another four years of Trump. And any Trumper that wants to call me out on that, I will gladly admit that, you know, I, oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I did not idolize my uh, candidate as a figure and as like this savior. I knew that the candidate that I was electing is a public servant and mm -hmm. Biden has been a public servant to the people for a very long time. So mm -hmm. I expected maybe not the best from him, not the best from him. I expected a more progressive candidate, you know, that could really give us the best, but the DNC doesn't want to give us that. Right. So I settled for Biden. It, there was this other TikToker that talked about, you know, a vote for Trump would have been a shot in the heart. A vote for Biden is a shot in the leg. You know, I'm I'm leg 2020. I um, oh that that fits. Yeah, that fits. Yeah, Biden wasn't my first choice, and actually. Listening to uh, not to interrupt Donna with the, what, where she's going with that, I have to say I felt exactly the same on one point. Biden speeches, Biden's speeches are not inspiring to me, mm -hmm. and I, it has a lot to do with his cadence, his age, his rhetoric, and how he speaks. When Kamala gave all of her speeches during the inauguration, it, I was teary eyed and like amazed because she's just a great talker she inspires me in the way that she speaks and uh, carries herself biden yeah. doesn't even give me that yeah like doesn't give me that hope that obama did like in the way that they speak and didn't even give me something to make fun of like trump did mm -hmm. and their speeches like the presence of that man is very middle of it's very like cishet middle of the road american society like it's just some person talking yeah like, yeah it, it kind of sucks because, well, what I was, what I'm trying to say with, like, kind of my frustrations, I definitely, after raising money for Biden and the DNC, like, I definitely don't consider myself a Democrat. I am I am a registered independent in Oregon. I uh, used to be a registered Democrat when I was in Colorado. But I feel like I am definitely more radicalized living here. I've uh, definitely seen that I want better things. And I, I don't understand uh, a system that pits people against one another when we could be having better things for everyone if we all work together. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of frustrated because it feels like the DNC is playing more into the needs of centrists and the, and the right rather than progressives in the party. Mm -hmm. And it is making me increasingly agitated with the DNC and Democrats in general. And this is, I, I feel it's nothing new. It's nothing new really, but I'm seeing it more clearly because I was raising money for the DNC and being briefed by the DNC. I was going into DNC briefing meetings and hearing right. about like their plans and like, you know, Oh, we, you know, we have this big, you know, progressive plan and all this. Mm. And it's just super frustrating to me to see that they're, they're wanting to be like, well, yeah, we're coming together. We're working together. And I understand that, you know, half of, half of the U S is conservative, but at the same time, like at what cost, like at what cost are we going to like value these outdated 
awful racist principles mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. appease these people? Or are we going to go in there and actually make progressive changes? And I'm getting super frustrated by the fact that there were all these promises that were made and that, you know, I'm going to have this progressive coalition and, you know, such and such when a lot of these promises that are made are just being brought back on. And this is politics, you know, it's something that we expect from every politician. And I'm not at the point to where I'm completely like, fuck Biden. Like I regret my vote or anything. Like I'm definitely not at that point. Oh, you know, okay. I would, well, I would never be at that point because I, I didn't want to, <laughs> I, would never I, I didn't want another four years of Trump, but yeah, I'm, that's... I'm at the point where I'm like, I, I hate the establishment. I hate both establishments. I hate yeah. the two party system. And I've, I've become, much more radicalized and much more of a leftist working for the DNC. Yeah, 2021 is, um, I've been talking to a lot of activists and they just feel like 2021 is going to be a time that we change. We, like, people are going to reorganize and this they're going to change. And I feel like this is the time for it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, protests are starting to happen again in Portland on various different subjects and issues and things like that, which I think are great. We need to have our voices be heard about what we want from our government and how we need to literally dismantle the system and rebuild yeah. at this point. And I mean, I know that that's kind of an impossibility in the sense of because you have to have a working government to work. So, but we need to make a, we have to make a grandstand at this point because the fact is, like, yes, we didn't want Trump, and I will agree with Don on that point. No, I made the correct choice in my vote. I yeah. absolutely effing did, and I do not regret it even a little. Yeah, but. We have to hold our politicians accountable. We all said that, like, we didn't want to bash Biden during his presidency, so those middle-of-the-road people would vote for him and obviously succeeded. We got here. Mm -hmm. But now he's in this position of power. It's time to hold him accountable for the things that he's promised us he's going to do. And what really sucks about it is I know it's politics and everything that somebody says on the campaign trail is um, words. It's Mm -hmm. just words because they can't start the plane. They don't have power. They don't have a backing on a position. But, like, if you're going to go back on your word, then why should we vote for you again? Why should we follow you? Why should we lead? Like, so, like, certain things that happened I feel are small wins, but not enough of a win for me to, like, feel like I shouldn't hold him accountable. Yeah. I know that he's working um, on reconnecting families Mm -hmm. um, that were detained at the board. Is like, I think in the, they said, so far since Biden's came into presidency, mm-hmm. into his presidency, there's been over a hundred families that have been reconnected, which yeah. I think is great. That's great. Um, I do like that there are steps that are being made towards clean energy, and yeah. I, I like that the entire like fleet for the White House is now being uh, transferred into clean energy, which oh. I, I think is great. Oh, I didn't know that. I think I mean we have to lead by example, and I think that's great. You know, I think we need to increase uh, funding for for different forms of clean energy. And I, I think that's something that is happening. So yeah, great. I, I'm happy with that. But I agree completely. I think we do need to start holding them accountable. And I was very frustrated when people were bashing him because it's it's a very sensitive time to bash someone while they're on the campaign trail when we're just trying to get someone in office to replace this fucking monster that we had for four years. Yeah. Whenever the activists in Portland would say, oh, Biden's not any better. And it would always be coming from white activists in yeah. the city and that always hit me so sideways yeah i'm like you don't even what a privilege like, you have to to stand against <laughs> him right now what a privilege you have to be able to think that the that both people are just as bad or to protest vote for fucking what's her name the oh, god i don't know the uh jorgensen yeah i'm like yeah vote your conscience but don't ever don't ever come at to me with that not that that was a very hard line for me i'm like you don't get it 
Yeah. <laughs> you don't care. I was like, you're so far back. And I was like, no, you're entrenched and I don't love that. Yeah. But I mean, obviously, thank goodness we went in this direction. But yeah, I, I fully believe that if you have a grievance with your president or your vice presidents or any of their practices, you should be out on that grass protesting all night long, getting tear gassed, being able to writing your um, officials and you know, trying to make your voices be heard, or even if you are the person who feels like your your voice should be heard, get into politics. Mm -hmm. Like, I get think, involved. Yeah, yeah, get involved. Literally, get involved. Like, instead of complaining about it, if you feel like you have a voice, get involved. Mm -hmm. um, either by an activist group or getting into politics or doing in some just grassroots organizations that will help with whatever you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, just and the other thing too is like encouraging people to vote. Like. It, you also have to remember it's not specifically just about dismantling the system. If you're not willing to actually step in to help change it, then you're also kind of being part of the part problem. Part of the problem. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, I want to get more involved. I think when it comes to activism, I when it's safe again, you know, I think I think we're now in a very weird spot to where what we're having to do is very monetary. So we're having to fundraise a lot. And that's what I was doing. I was I was doing fundraising actually before I, I uh, did this job. I was applying for another fundraising job for a clean energy or mm -hmm. uh, advocacy group. But I I don't really like that type of activism. I don't mm -hmm. like just monetary activism. I like being able to get in there and um, organize and make change happen and, and strategize. I think mm -hmm. political strategizing is super important and being able to do outreach and all that. Yeah. Um, I love the Georgia model. So one thing I can definitely give props to the DNC for was what happened in Georgia where they were definitely encouraging and definitely hiring a many different minority groups to do the outreach for the Asif and Warnock campaign. Mm. So it was building up minority uh, organizers to really make sure that that change was happening at that right. level in Georgia. And I think that's super important. I think that's the way that we see wins for disenfranchised communities is by building up the people who are disenfranchised to speak to their communities about yes. what we can do to to make conditions better and um, also building up those people that are doing that as potential candidates you know that's mm -hmm. what we need we need that representation in the united states and that's super important and that would be something that i would absolutely love to get behind is i would love to i myself would never like to run but i would love to support a candidate that i really believed in and help out with a campaign because i yeah. have i have seen um just kind of in a very behind the scenes way how to do campaigns and i've canvassed myself and all that i i think that's something that going forward i would like to get involved in is, is yeah. getting behind a candidate and really supporting their campaign and, and reaching out to people on behalf of that candidate i think that makes a lot of sense a and strong minority candidate before i um moved to portland actually people were really encouraging me to run for grand junction city council and like move my way forward in that capacity and i actually really had considered it if we weren't planning on moving and the thing is i don't regret that decision i really mm -hmm. wanted to be out of grand junction as i've said on this podcast about a billion times but i and then when i moved here this is what's interesting i I'm okay being more of just a voice in a crowd in Portland instead of just constantly leading the charge. Mm, mm -hmm. That gets overwhelming and it's dangerous. And yeah. so my political itch actually kind of left when I left Grand Junction. And I feel like the only reason I was going for it is so I could feel like my voice could be better heard. Yeah. Um, so I could like lead the charge into creating change. So when I moved here and there's plenty of voices 
like that are you know more aggressive than mine or voices that really want to make that change um i'm just like oh yeah go you mm-hmm. yeah. yes like and 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 i will never let anybody discount my experiences like um that i had in gj about like activism and whatever because some people here are just like they're like but what have you done here I've, I've had that said to me quite a few times like what have you done here i was like i've marched mm-hmm. i was like i've been to certain meetings of different activist groups i was like i have started pages online to do some things i like i now i work in a small position of power as an event manager at a bar making sure we're inclusive and like mm-hmm. doing my part because doing your part isn't always specifically being out on those front lines marching doing your part is also hiring people into positions of power that can create inclusive environments in your community yeah like you don't necessarily have to be a politician to do those things no you can do them from the positions that you're already in that's true from yeah even if it's like in your current job in your current Mm -hmm. workplace there's changes that you can make even if it's at a small level yes you know because you're you're reaching out and you're impacting someone by by helping educate them about these certain things that they may not have insight on, you know? Absolutely. I also, just before we go, I, I did mention before about how it seems like the DNC is more so appeasing the far right or the right mm-hmm. as opposed to the progressives in the party. Right. And I'm going to say something that's kind of controversial. We were disrespected and treated like shit for four years. Yes. My question is, do we have to? Do we have to reach across the aisle? Is it our duty to reach across the aisle and be, let's unify each other and bring each other together. Mm-hmm. Let's do all, is, is that something, like, obviously we don't want the division that we had. Right, absolutely. But is it really our job to make sure that we're fitting the needs of the people who basically shat on us for the last four years? Right. Oh, oh. So many people will disagree with your statement only I know. in the sense that they feel like we can only, what is it, all those phrases, come together, um, see eye to eye, nonpartisan, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And I'm not talking about being divisive and like being like Trump. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I'm saying like, listen, like we had four years of fucking bullshit. Like we need some progressive, at least some progressive policies to really be spearheaded and, and push forward because of all the damage that was done. And I know that there is a lot of damage to be undone, but do we have to really use kid hands with these yeah. conservatives? I do feel like, um, no, and I, I don't think we have to. Or and kid I, gloves. That's yeah, what kid I meant. gloves. Yeah, no, I don't think that we have to. I think that we have the ability to, I, I just really wish that progressives wouldn't be as polarizing when they're trying to pull people to the other side in one specific aspect. You can get people elected into into positions of powers who are a little bit more progressive if the idea of being a progressive wasn't so polarizing. Mm-hmm. When I say progressive, I mean ideals and values that fit with the way the world works today versus the way it worked 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. When I say progressive, I'm talking about um, how in the future will we not burn alive from the fact that we don't give a crap about our ozone layer? Exactly. Like, you know, stuff like that. Like, that's what I mean by progressive. Like, same. Same. Yeah. And like, and then even the va- the values and ideas of like proven practices of how teaching kids about sex can help keep them safer and help keep them from, you know, getting pregnant at 14 or something like that from being, from a lack of knowledge and education. Mm-hmm. Like I progressive being, let there are better ways to do things and and conservative ideals are literally like tradition it's worked this far like thus far but the world is changing 
when tradition is racist, tradition doesn't need to exist anymore. When yeah. tradition is oppressive, tradition does not need to exist anymore. We need to do away with the system and build up. Exactly. And I feel more so than ever that there there has to be a dialogue happening to where if we're not moving forward, we're definitely moving backwards. And where we were in the past was only beneficial for white cis heterosexual people. Mm -hmm. It's the only people it was good for. Yeah. And they're still the majority. Sure. But that doesn't mean that you have to literally shirk every single person who doesn't identify with the majority just because it was comfortable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, I think that ends this episode. Um, people may not fully agree with everything we said this episode, but I, I definitely think it was good to talk about it, get it off of our chest, because I've, I've definitely had some frustrations, especially since I had some firsthand experience in this process. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so thank you, everybody, for listening. And if yeah. you do absolutely horribly disagree with us, comment on anywhere you follow us. You can yeah. always use that. That's great. Yeah, we'd like to, to be able to talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Have a good open dialogue. And if I misspoke or, or said something, then I'd like to further explain myself. <laughs> yeah, and if we said anything that was incorrect information, please comment below and yeah. make us feel like garbage. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> we can learn, too. Yes. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of A Gem of a Secret Podcast. The hosts of HM of a Secret Podcast are Donatella My Secrets and Coco Jim Holiday. You may follow Donatella My Secrets at Donatella underscore My Secrets on Instagram. You may follow Coco Jim Holiday at Coco Jim Holiday on Instagram. Original music by Touche Douche and Party Favors. You can follow them respectively at the Touche Douche and at Party Favors Music on Instagram. For more exclusive content, visit www.ajemofasecretpodcast.com. That is a j e m of a secret podcast.com. Be sure to tune in every week on Thursday for a new episode wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any comments or questions, email us at ajemofasecretpod at gmail.com. Please don't forget to like, rate, and subscribe. Until next time, goodbye.